Hey everybody, I hope you're doing great. Thanks again for joining us for these audio devotionals. It's uh, really encouraging to me to know that we're going through these scriptures together and uh, looking forward to another day with you. Let's pray together. God, we're grateful for today, for another day of life, for another day in your presence. We come to you now both humbly and confidently and ask that you speak to us. Uh, we want to know you, and, and we're prepared to receive whatever it is that you have for us today. We ask that you grant us clarity as we read and listen for your voice, encouraged to put your word into action. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So today we continue our journey through the first portion of Genesis. Uh, we'll be reading chapter 3 of Genesis. Now the serpent was more crafty than any of the wild animals the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, did God really say you must not eat from any tree in the garden? The woman said to the serpent, we may eat fruit from the trees in the garden, but God did say you must not eat fruit from the tree that is in the middle of the garden and you must not touch it or you will die. You will certainly not die, the serpent said to the woman, for God knows that when you eat from it, your eyes will be open and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. When the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good for food and pleasing to the eye, and also desirable for gaining wisdom, she took some and ate it. She also gave some to her husband, who was with her, and he ate it. Then the eyes of both of them were open, and they realized they were naked. So they sewed fig leaves together and made coverings for themselves. Then the man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord God as he was walking in the garden in the cool of the day, and they hid from the Lord God among the trees of the garden. But the Lord God called to the man, where are you? He answered, I heard you in the garden and I was afraid because I was naked, so I hid. And he said, who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten from the tree that I commanded you not to eat from? The man said, the woman you put here with me, she gave me some fruit from the tree and I ate it. Then the Lord God said to the woman, what is this you have done? The woman said, the serpent deceived me and I ate. So the Lord God said to the serpent, because you have done this, cursed are you above all livestock and all wild animals. You will crawl on your belly and you will eat dust all the days of your life. And I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your offspring and hers. He will crush your head and you will strike his heel. To the woman, he said, I will make your pains and childbearing very severe with painful labor. You will give birth to children. Your desire, for your, your desire will be for your husband, and he will rule over you. To Adam, he said, Because you listened to your wife and ate fruit from the tree about which I commanded you, you must not eat from it. Curse is the ground because of you. Through painful toil, you will eat food from it all the days of your life. It will produce thorns and thistles for you, and you will eat the plants of the field. By the sweat of your brow, you will eat your food until you return to the ground, since from it you were taken. For dust you are, and to dust you will return. Adam named his wife Eve because she would become the mother of all the living. The Lord God made garments of skin for Adam and his wife and clothed them. And the Lord God said, The man has now become like one of us, knowing good and evil. He must not be allowed to reach out his hand and also take from the tree of life and eat and live forever. So the Lord God banished him from the Garden of Eden to work the ground from which he had been taken. After he drove the man out, he placed on the east side of the Garden of Eden, Eden cherubim and a flaming sword flashing back and forth to guard the way to the tree of life.
So over the past two days, uh, we've read about the origins of the universe and the relationships between God, people, and the rest of creation. Uh, maybe most significant for us is that God set people apart and above plants and animals, the sky and the water, the moon and the stars. God's design for people was that they would share a special relationship with him and that they would carry out the responsibility he had given them to cultivate and care for the world. At the end of chapter one, uh, God described things as very good. And then at the end of chapter two, we read that Adam and Eve were naked and unashamed. So when we put these two words together, they paint a picture for us that life was just as God had intended it and that, we're, and that people were enjoying the deep-seated security that comes from being fully known, fully accepted, and fully provided for. Things were perfect, and in a certain sense, this was heaven, or certainly like it. Things uh, changed pretty significantly in chapter 3, when we say, Verse 8 tells us that God was on an evening stroll through the garden looking for Adam and Eve. And I imagine that this was something that was a regular practice of theirs, reconnecting after a good day's work, laughing, telling stories, God enjoying the people that he had made and people resting in the security of his love and affection for them. This time, though, things were different. This time when God reached out, his people were in hiding they were no longer secure. This time they were ashamed. I think that the content of this chapter is just super important for us to grasp. So we're going to take two days on it. Uh, but for today, I'd like us to focus on what led to this moment in which the relationship between God and people was damaged. I mentioned in our first devotional together that this word Genesis can be understood um, in literal terms as origins. We first looked at that idea through the creation accounts, right? In other words, uh, we can understand where the universe originated. We can know where we came from. In our reading today, the Texa tells us where sin originated. We can know how we got to where we are now. Now, you might be thinking, Nate, what do you mean by sin? We don't read that anywhere in the passage. And that's true. But think about this for a second with me. We wouldn't read one chapter of a novel and claim to know the whole story or one portion of a biography and claim to understand the whole person. We have to take portions and parts in context with the greater whole. And it's been my experience that the Bible is no different. And sin is one of the mega themes of the scriptures that is explained in words elsewhere but it's visualized in narrative right here. Uh, my understanding of sin is that it's rebellion against God. It's, it's willful disobedience to the commands of God. It's assuming God's position rather than submitting to his position. And that's exactly what we see Adam and Eve do in this passage. Uh, my question is why? Why did they do it? Things had been so good so what made them believe that things could get any better than what they already were? The text tells us plainly that it was the serpent who made them believe, and he did so by twisting God's words and challenging God's identity. Did God really say, he began, did he really say you can't eat from any tree in the garden? Of course, that's not what God said at all. In fact, it was the opposite. We read yesterday in chapter 2, verse 16, 
that God told Adam that he was, quote, free to eat from any tree in the garden, end quote, except for one. Eve knew that, and she responded with as much of the serpent, adding that God had told them that for their protection, that if they ate the fruit of that one tree, then they would die. I wonder in that moment, though, as the serpent asked her the question, if somewhere deep down she felt a sort of jolt as, as her subconscious thought, why did he ask me that? The serpent pressed in further. You will not certainly die. Do you see what was happening? Did God really say, that isn't really true. Come on, Eve. You're not that simple, are you? Are you? Look at this fruit. How could this be bad? How could God not want you to have this? I'll tell you why. Because he's hiding something from you. He's holding you down, Eve. He doesn't want you to experience life at the highest level. But you know what? You can be like him. You can know everything and be in complete control. You can be like God. And it's only a bite away. I said earlier that sin is rebellion against God. What's interesting to me here, though, is how that came true for Adam and Eve. Eve didn't shake her fist at the sky and yell, I've had it with you, God. I don't want to be on your side anymore. We're going to war. No, what ended in rebellion started with a little shred of doubt about who God was. Doubt that was based on lies. If I'm honest, I'm an awful lot like Adam and Eve. My disobedience, my rebellion so often starts when I stop believing who God is, when I stop believing that he loves me, that he's holding back from me, when I stop trusting that his commands are good. I think this is worth us pausing and reflecting on today. And so I invite you to spend time uh, thinking through the answers to these two questions. The first is, what is your picture of God? Now, if you've never thought about this before, you might try uh, thinking about him as a personal character. For instance, some people might think of God as a gentle grandpa, others as a grumpy, crotchety old man. Uh, maybe some others think of him as a police officer just walking around ready to catch people whenever they make a mistake. Uh, some people might think of him a bit more mysteriously, maybe just as a spirit or a force somewhere in the universe. But whatever it is, I encourage you to be as specific as you can. And then the second question is, what is one thing that you could do on a daily basis to reinforce in yourself an accurate picture of God? For some of you, that might mean reading the Bible for yourself for the first time ever. For others, it might be making a list of all the good things in your life that you've had no control over and choosing to give God thanks for those things. I know that some of us have serious questions about whether or not God even exists. And so my question is, are we willing to press into those questions and seek their answers with the possibility that God might be real? So first question, what's your picture of God? Second question, what's one thing that you could do on a daily basis to reinforce in yourself an accurate picture of who he is? Let's pray together. Lord, we ask that uh, we would see you as we search for you. 
Uh, We ask that you would guard us from the one who speaks lies against you and gets us to doubt your goodness. Uh, God, give us the strength to take our next step of faith today, whatever that is, um, and to establish healthy patterns by which we can come to know you and the life that you have for us. We pray these things together in the name and the identity of Jesus. Amen.